Hello and welcome to Folklore of the Universe, the podcast where all your dreams come true. Niverse. I'm your host, Kyle. I've got a great episode for you today. Although, I, that doesn't really mean anything when I say that because, you know, I'm always going to say it's a great episode. I'm never going to be like, I've got a terrible episode for you today. Also, I haven't recorded it yet, so it could be shit. I don't really know. So, I don't really have license to, um, say that. Okay, so let's, let's try that again. Uh, I've got an episode of Ambiguous Quality for you today. There we go. So it's been really nice and cold and snowy and wonderful here lately. So I'm thinking I'm going to do some more northern folk stories from northern cultures. Sort of go along with that. So with that in mind, I've got three for this episode. I've got a Russian folk story, a Chukchi folk story, and a Seneca folk story. And we're going to start with the Russian folk story. So we're just going to do them in the order that I just said. That's, yeah, it's just the same order. So, Russian folk story. This story is called Baba Yaga. Once upon a time, there lived an old man and his wife. When the old man became a widower, he married another wife, although he had a daughter from his first wife. The wicked stepmother disliked the girl, beat her, and pondered how she might destroy her. One day the father went away somewhere, and the stepmother said to the girl, Go to your aunt, my sister. Ask her for a needle and some thread to sew a shirt for you. That aunt was Baba Yaga the bony-legged. The girl was not stupid, and she first went to her own aunt. Good day, auntie, she said. Good day, my beloved. What have you come for? said her aunt. Mother sent me to her sister to ask for a needle and some thread to sew me a shirt. The aunt told her what to do. My little niece, she said. When you get there, a birch will lash your eyes, but do you tie it with a ribbon? The gates will bang and creak at you, but do you pour some oil on their hinges? Dogs will want to tear you apart, but do you throw them some bread? A cat will scratch your eyes, but do you give him some ham? The girl went her way. She walked and walked and finally arrived at her other aunt's. She saw a little hut, and in it sat Baba Yaga the bony-legged. Good day, auntie, said the girl. Good day, my beloved. Mother sent me to ask for a needle and some thread to sew me a shirt. Very well. Meanwhile, sit down and weave. The girl sat at the loom, and Baba Yaga went out and said to her maid, Go and heat a bath and wash my niece, but be careful, I want to eat her for breakfast. The girl sat there half dead with fright and begs the maid, My dear, do not burn so much wood. Pour water over it and bring her the water in a sieve. And she gave the maid a kerchief. Baba Yaga waited. She came to the window and asked, Are you weaving, little niece? Are you weaving, my darling? I am weaving, auntie. I am weaving, my dear. Baba Yaga went away from the window, and the girl gave ham to the cat and asked him, Is there no way of getting away from here? Here is a comb and a towel, said the cat. Take them and run away. Baba Yaga will pursue you, but do you put your ear to the ground, and when you hear her coming close, throw the towel, and there will be a wide, wide river. And if Baba Yaga crosses that river, begins to catch up with you again, put your ear to the ground again, and when you hear her coming close, throw your comb, and there will be a very thick forest. She will not be able to get through it. The girl took the towel and the comb and ran. The dogs wanted to tear her, but she threw them some bread and they let her pass. The gates wanted to bang shut, but she poured some oil on their hinges and they let her pass. The birch wanted to lash her eyes, but she tied it with a ribbon and it let her pass. Meanwhile, the cat sat at the loom and wove. He did not so much weave as tangle everything up. Baba Yaga came to the window and asked, Are you weaving, little niece? Are you weaving, my darling? I am weaving, auntie. I am weaving, my dear, answered the cat in a rough voice. Baba Yaga rushed into the hut, 
saw that the girl had gone, and took to beating the cat and scolding him for not having scratched out the girl's eyes. I have served you for so many years, said the cat, and you have not given me even a bone, but she gave me a piece of ham. Baba Yaga flung herself on the dogs, the gate, the birch, and the maid, and began to thrash and scold them all. The dog said to her, We have served you long, and you have not even thrown us a burnt crust, but she gave us bread. The gate said, I have served you so long, and you have not even poured water on my hinges, but she poured oil. The birch said, I have served you so long, and you have not even tied me with a thread, but she tied me with a ribbon. The maid said, I have served you so long, you have not given me even a rag, but she gave me a kerchief. Baba Yaga, the bony legs, jumped on her mortar, goaded on with her pestle, and swept away her tracks with a broom, and flew in pursuit of the girl. The girl put her ear to the ground and heard Baba Yaga coming quite close. She threw her towel, and there was a wide, wide river. Baba Yaga came to the river and gnashed her teeth with rage. She returned home, took her oxen, and drove them to the river. The oxen drank the river clean, then she set out again in pursuit. The girl put her ear to the ground and heard Baba Yaga coming close. She threw her comb, and there grew up a deep and terrifying forest. Baba Yaga began to gnaw it, but no matter how she tried, she could not gnaw through it, and she turned back. Meanwhile, the old man had come home and asked, Where is my daughter? She has gone to her aunt, said the stepmother. After a while, the girl also came home. Where have you been? her father asked her. Ah, father, she said. Mother sent me to auntie for a needle and some thread to sew me a shirt, but the aunt was Baba Yaga, and she wanted to eat me. How did you get away, my daughter? The daughter told him how. When the old man heard all this, he grew angry at his wife and shot her to death. Then he and his daughter began to live and prosper. I was there and drank meat and beer. It ran down my mustache, but it never got into my mouth. The End Alright, let's start with the figure of Baba Yaga herself. So she's this, you know, creepy forest witch figure, as we've seen, who's sort of a recurring character in several Russian folk stories. And the weird thing is, is that she's not always a creepy evil witch. Sometimes she's helpful to the protagonists. Uh, generally, she is more of an evil figure, though. But, you know, there are occasions when she is not so evil. Which just goes to show things. Um, other interesting things about her is, as we saw in this story, she uses a mortar and pestle to transport around the forest. And then she uses that broom to sweep up her tracks behind her so that no one can see where she's been. Something that wasn't mentioned in this story is that her cottage stands on a pair of giant chicken legs, which actually allow it to walk around, so it is quite an unusual dwelling. So overall, I find Baba Yaga to be a lot more interesting than the other witches in European folklore, like the Grimm's fairy stories because she's this singular named character who has a lot of unique traits around her, like the mortar and pestle and the chicken leg cottage. And this just makes her stand out a lot more than the sort of generic forest witch of other fairy stories. That being said, there are a lot of similarities between this and other fairy stories. For example, you know, we've still got the wicked stepmother who hates the stepchild and sends them off into the woods where there's, you know, creepy, terrible shit out there. But, you know, the stepchild perseveres and the stepmother gets killed. So you can see that while there are a lot of differences between different European folklores, a lot of the same ideas have been flowing back and forth across these two. Now, the moral and message of this one should be fairly obvious. The protagonist succeeds by treating people good. And by treating inanimate objects good, too. And Babiaga fails because she treats people and inanimate objects badly. 
So the takeaway lesson here is treat your stuff good, or otherwise your friends or house guests will be friends your possessions, and then your possessions will stab you in the back while you try to eat your house guest or friends. So look after your things, treat them well, or otherwise you will starve. Also, before we move on, I just want to say I love the little bit of accuracy with the cat uh, helping Weave by tangling everything up and making it into a huge mess. Like, 100% cat behavior right there. Even magic cats do the same stuff that normal cats do. But let's move on now. This next story is from the Chukchi people who live on the Chukchi Peninsula. And that is, if you think of Russia, it's the very rightmost bit. Right, uh eastmost bit, rather. It's that little peninsula that sticks out into the Bering Sea and is right across from Alaska. And because they're right by each other, um, the cultures of far eastern Russia and of native Alaskans are have a lot of similarities between them. If you look at their art, there's similar styles, and there's similar aspects and themes in the stories, which we will cover after this one. This story is called Reindeer, Crow, and Evil Spirit. There was a herder who had only a few reindeer. An evil spirit kept coming around, chasing those reindeer off in all directions. The crow decided to help the herdsman. The evil spirit wanted a fly, and the crow agreed to help him if he wouldn't bother those reindeer anymore. The evil spirit got up on the back of crow's neck. Up they went until the earth looked the size of a seal skin. They went further until the earth looked the size of a dish, and still further until the whole earth looked the size of the heel part of a boot sole. Then the crow turned over and dropped the evil spirit. Now he was flying. When he flew right side up, he laughed, ho ho ho. When he flew upside down, he pulled in his breath, ah. Over and over he went till he landed back on the earth. He landed head first and sank into the ground so that only his legs were sticking up. The herder came back from gathering up his reindeer, and he was delighted. At last he had a place to tie them to. The end. So this story is very short and sweet, but a very fun one. Now what stuck out to me after reading this was the figure of Crow, because he does all these things, and in a lot of native Alaskan folklore and stories and traditions, Raven is this trickster god who does a lot of similar sorts of things. So that's what I was talking about before, of similar cultural ideas across different areas, but like in the same general area, but like different parts of that same general area. So there's like the one big area, but then other areas of that area, and they're sort of different across those. Um, is area even a real word? I've said it a lot. Okay, uh, moving on. We've got this figure of the evil spirit, and evil spirits like this are a common figure in Chukchi folklore. Uh, they're often responsible for bad things happening, for disease, and they're generally no good. But we do know from this that they can't fly on their own, so if you have wings, or an airplane, or a jetpack, you're totally safe from them. So learn to fly, people. You know, don't question it, just do it. Just fly. And you know, if you think about it, it's really not that hard. Now message-wise, it should be fairly, you know, surface level here, is that, you know, the evil spirit messes with the guy's reindeer, then he ends up being a pitching post for the guy's reindeer. So, you know, what goes around comes around sort of thing. Like, if you are a dick, then that will come and, you know, bite you in the ass with some poetic justice type karma action. So really a lot of the stories we're going to cover on this podcast are going to boil down to don't be a dick, 
which honestly, it's a good life lesson, you know, take it to heart. But now we're going to move on to our last story of the episode. This is a Seneca folk story. The Seneca are a Native American group who live in the Great Lakes region and were historically a part of the Iroquois Federation. And this story should sound very familiar because this one is called Turtle Races with Beaver. Long ago, Turtle lived in a small pond. It was a fine place. There were alder trees along the bank to give shade, and a fine grassy bank where Turtle could crawl out and sun himself. There were plenty of fish for Turtle to catch. The small pond had everything any turtle could ever want, and Turtle thought his pond was the finest place in the whole world. Turtle spent his time swimming around, sunning himself, and catching fish whenever he was hungry. So it went until the cold winds began to blow down from the north. Ah, Turtle said, it is time for me to go to sleep. Then he dove down to the bottom of the pond and burrowed into the mud. He went to sleep for the winter. He slept so soundly, in fact, that he slept a little later than usual and did not wake up until it was late in the spring. The warming waters of the pond woke him, and he crawled out of the mud and began to swim toward the surface. Something was wrong, though, for it seemed to take much too long to get to the surface of the small pond. Turtle was certain the water had not been that deep when he went to sleep. As soon as Turtle reached the surface and looked around, he saw that things were not as they should be. His small pond was more than twice its normal size. His fine grassy bank for sunning himself was underwater. His beautiful alder trees had been cut down and made into a big dam. Who has done this to my pond? Turtle said. Just then, Turtle heard a loud sound. Whap! Turtle turned to look and saw a strange animal swimming toward him across the surface of his pond. It had a big flat tail, and as it came close to Turtle, it lifted up that big flat tail and hit the surface of the water with it. Whap! Who are you? Turtle said. What are you doing in my ponds? What have you done to my beautiful trees? Ha! Huh. The strange animal said. This is not your pond. This is my pond. I am Beaver, and I cut down those trees with my teeth, and I built that dam, and I made this pond nice and deep. This is my pond, and you must leave. No, Turtle said. This is my pond. If you do not leave, I will fight you. I am a great warrior. Ha! Huh. Beaver said. That is good. Let us fight. I will call all my relatives to help me, and they will chew your head off with their strong teeth. Turtle looked closely at Beaver's teeth. They were long and yellow, and looked very sharp. Ha, huh, Turtle said. I can see it would be too easy to fight you. Instead, we should have a contest to decide which one of us will leave this pond forever. Ha, huh, Beaver said. That is a good idea. Let us see who can stay underwater the longest. I can stay under for a whole day. As soon as Beaver said that, Turtle saw he would have to think of a different contest. He had been about to suggest that they could see who could stay underwater the longest, but if what Beaver said was true, then he would beat Turtle. Ha, huh, Turtle said. It would be too easy to defeat you that way. Let us have a race instead. The first one to reach the other side of the pond is the winner. The loser must leave my pond forever. Ha, huh, Beaver said. This is a good contest. I'm the fastest swimmer of all. When I win, you will have to leave my pond forever. Let us begin to race. Wait, Turtle said. I am such a fast swimmer that it would not be fair unless I started from behind you. Then Turtle placed himself behind Beaver, right next to Beaver's big tail. I am ready, Turtle said. Let us begin. Beaver began to swim. He was such a fast swimmer that Turtle could barely keep up with them. When they were halfway across the pond, Turtle began to fall even further behind. But Turtle had a plan. He stuck his long neck out and grabbed Beaver's tail in his jaws. 
Beaver felt something grab his tail, but he could not look back. He was too busy swimming, trying to win the race. He swung his tail back and forth, but Turtle held on tight. Now Beaver was almost to the other side of the ponds. Turtle pit down even harder. Beaver swung his tail high up into the air, trying to shake free whatever had hold of him. Just as Beaver's tail reached the top of its swing, Turtle let go. He flew through the air and landed on the bank. Beaver looked up, and there was Turtle. Turtle had won the race. So it was that Beaver had to leave, and Turtle, once again, had his pond to himself. With its new deeper waters, there were soon even more fish than there had been before, and Turtle's alders grew back once more. Truly, Turtle's pond was the finest place in the whole world. The end. So if you're like me, you're probably thinking, holy shit, another story where a turtle or tortoise races a mammal that's faster than it, and the tortoise or turtle wins because of trickery. And this is on a completely different continent. So the fact that these three very similar stories have cropped up in North America, Africa, and Europe gives a lot of support to the idea that these stories appeared independently and that tortoises and turtles racing faster animals and winning is just a universal human concept. So this gives even more evidence to the idea that turtles and tortoises are very, very clever and do not trust them because they know something that you don't and they will outsmart you. And so far on the list, you know, they've beaten hares, elephants, and beavers. And all of, well, elephants are very, very smart. I don't know about the other two. But if tortoises can outsmart elephants and turtles can outsmart beavers and stuff, then, you know, they're clever animals. That probably means they've got a good leg up on us. So in the future, I'm going to keep looking for more variants of the story in more cultures because now I just want to know how deep this goes. You know, does everybody have a turtle slash tortoise racing stuff story? Who knows? Let's find out. You know, we could be on the verge of a discovery of the lifetime here. Maybe it's like, you know, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, dolphins are super, like, smarter than humans are. Maybe it's like that, but it's actually tortoises and turtles who are smarter. They're, like, the second smartest than, you know, mice are still probably the first smartest. So the takeaway from all this is be careful around them. You know, don't let them see your PIN or your social security number because... If they get the opportunity, I'm sure they will try and steal your identity, which, you know, no one wants that. I just think it is very neat how these three stories are similar, but you can still see how they've evolved in their own ways, and, you know, how they're affected by the cultures they come from and the environments they come from. So this one, you know, it's not a tortoise and the hare, it's turtle and the beaver, because beavers were very common animals in that region. So I look forward to finding out, you know, what other animals tortoises and turtles end up racing because I'm sure there's a bunch of them. Who knows, they probably have outraced everything on the face of the planet by now. But we will see. And that's all I've got time for for this episode. So thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed episode four. Uh, if you have, please leave some feedback. If you haven't, still please leave some feedback on what you'd like to see change or what I could do better to make this more enjoyable for you. Now, if you did enjoy this, please share it around with all your friends and family. You know, every little bit helps. And free advertising is the best kind of advertising. For me, anyway. Not so much for, um... No, just, just do it. It's good for you. It'll keep the turtles from stealing your organs and selling them on the black market. That's my personal guarantee. 
So it looks like I've got something vaguely approaching a regular schedule now, uh, every Friday. So, unless something goes catastrophically wrong, I expect another episode next Friday to look forward to. And that is all for me. So, I've been your host, Kyle. I will see you next time. Bye!